Um, and what an honor it is any time to be at Faith Chapel. Um, you, the, the women, obviously, I know better, and the, the young girls, um, you've got a crew of powerful females in your church. <laughs> and the cool thing that I love is to then be able to come on Sunday and meet the awesome, powerful husbands and sons and, and friends of these women, and so um, sirs in the room. Uh, it's an honor to be here in your presence and to be here at Faith Chapel and to be with Brad and Beth. Hello. I love them. Talk about a powerful couple um, that I don't know that you see what they resonate uh, far out of Missouri. Um, I watched them. I watched you all at district council. I watched your heart. I watched you a lot out and about uh, because you're powerful. And God's going to do uh, great things, greater things than we've seen thus far. And there is not a doubt it resonates on, in this place. Um, but I tell you what, as I got back to the room last night and I pulled out my Bible and just kind of bringing my head back around to where we would go today, my Bible had a million sticky notes in it. Um, and I thought, what the world? You know, because I use a couple different Bibles and I use this one for this sermon. Um, but when I was in Virginia last week, a uh, couple weeks ago, the Lord had brought back to my mind all of the awesome things he has did throughout scripture. And one of the sermons in that women's conference was the greatest show on earth. And I'm not going to go through all of that this morning. Obviously, there's not time to do that. But I do want to come, and I feel like this is a weekend to stir your faith. I don't know why, but there is just, it feels like a weekend to come in to O'Fallon, Missouri, and to walk into Faith Chapel and say, okay, men and women of God, remember who God is. Because I was talking to a young lady up on this front seat um, last night, and the words that came back to me was, there, there, here's a powerful combination. A powerful combination is confidence and calling. And so you're, you're, it's not powerful because you have confidence in yourself, male or female. That's not where your confidence comes from. Your confidence comes from whose you are. Then you mix confidence with calling, and there is not one person in this room that's listening to my voice that doesn't have a calling on their life. We're all called to the Great Commission. We're all called to make a difference. We're all called to be that light that you spoke of. Everybody breathing is called. It's what we do with that calling. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. And, and the title of my sermon this morning is actually, It's All Good. Don't you love when somebody looks at you and life is, a, is just being life? And they just look at you and say, it's all good. So can you say that with me? It's all good. And we're going to get to that, but before, I've got to tell you where the struggle comes from. Okay, how many of you guys have heard the phrase, the struggle bus? Maybe wave at me if you have heard that phrase. I'm pretty sure the young girls have heard it, because I think we talked about that a little bit uh, in the fall. But struggle bus, I had never heard that word. Um, that's a millennial thing, I'm pretty sure, that came in. But I was at my office one day, and I received a text from a young lady. And she's 19. Actually, she turned 20. Um, and she said, I'm struggle bussing today. And I'm thinking, what the world is that? You know, so I text her back thinking, stupid autocorrect. And she's like, no, I'm struggle bussing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, now I look like, a, now I look stupid. Now I look, I'm very obviously not a millennial, okay? So I text Gracie back, and I say, what does that mean? And she says, don't you ever have a day when you just can't pull things together? You just can't get on track and you're struggle bussing. I'm like, okay, I get struggle bussing. I live there. 
many mornings, many days, I get struggle busing. This girl has been through so much lately. She's like, I just can't get myself on the right track this morning. Anybody in the house identify with that? Can you identify with that? I think that's maybe why first service is a little quieter. <laughs> we're all riding struggle bus because we're trying to get awake and we're trying to get moving. But, but with that, the scripture that came to mind when she was... Um, Telling that, and the Lord took me down this direction, is this, and it's Galatians 5, 17. It says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are, to, that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. You get that? You know, what I picture there is that, that struggle bus. I don't know if you can go back to the struggle bus, but if you notice, there, it's going in both directions, right? And there's a door going in each direction, but there's seats all the way through, okay? And so we get on the struggle bus, and spiritually speaking, that struggle bus is we are pulled. That scripture just told you that we are never away from that struggle that goes back and forth. So the fact that we struggle has nothing to do with our spirituality or the lack thereof. Our struggle comes because we're human. Our struggle comes because we desire, we have a spirit within us desiring the things of God, of holiness. But we live in a society, in a genuine world that pulls that way, that back and forth. So this morning, I come to speak to men and women of God, saying, if you're in the struggle, well, no, duh. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, sometimes we take that as such, oh, we're in such warfare, and yes, we are. However, we're told about it. And what we're told is that we are more than conquerors. And what we're told is that we are spirit-empowered to rise above the things that are bigger than us. Like we talked about last night, but God. But God, there's nothing that can render us barren. And if you men don't understand that, talk to your wives or talk to friends that were here. But the enemy has been trying to render the church barren, fruitless, from the beginning pages. And he is a failure. I love that. He's not been able to succeed, and he will not. But see, we have a responsibility, and I'm working to get there to that responsibility. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. If you would turn in your Bibles, and I'm not going to read all of Matthew chapter 13, but I am going to read a portion of it. And this is where you'll see our title come back in. Chapter 13 of Matthew. And I am reading um, my Joyce Meyer Bible, so it has lots of words, the version um, that, that she uses. But here we go. Chapter 13. Says so the same day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting beside the sea. But such great crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and he uh, remained sitting there while all the other throngs stood on the shore. And he told them many things in parables, stories by the way of illustration and comparison, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some of the seed fell by the roadside, the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they had not much soil, and at once they sprang up because there was no depth in the soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they died, dried up, and withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. 
Other seed fell on rich soil and yielded grain, which some of a hundred times as much as was sown, some 60 times as much, and some 30. He who has ears to hear, let him listen and let him consider and perceive and comprehend by hearing. And see, here, here I'm going to reiterate, and I, I try to do this about any time I speak, is this. The word is the foundation of everything we do and everything we say. If it doesn't line up with the word, don't listen. <laughs> don't apply for sure. But see, when we read the word and we look at the word, there is life in the word. And see, this morning, what I, and I've read that, how many of you have read that scripture? You have heard it multiple times. I feel like over my life, I've heard it a million times. What I hadn't noticed previously, and I feel like the Holy Spirit brought out to me, is the soil that's being talked about in this scripture. It never says that the soil was bad. The soil is good soil. The problem comes in with a condition of the soil. The problem comes in with what's allowed into the soil. You know, that, that first phrase when it talks about the hardened, this is my perception. This is what I, I think. I think when it talks about it's so hard that the word, that the seeds just roll off, the word can't get, that is either lost or that is very close. That, that's, that's, you're in a scary place. If you've allowed your life to get there, and if you're there this morning, I'm here to tell you, Jesus did everything so that you can escape that hard living. He's awesome like that. But see, as it goes on there, and it talks about that there is a rocky ground, and that soil was, was, was thin, and so there is this excitement that comes up, sometimes as we're new Christians, or those kind of things, and all of this stuff comes up, but because we don't have a root, sometimes we get discouraged, or we get sidelined, and the enemy can come and bring uh, struggles and hard times that can cause us to wither, and can cause us to, to, to go away. So see, we have a responsibility, church, and that is to cultivate good soil. Okay? We have a responsibility to cultivate good soil. Because see, the, the soil is good, but we got to cultivate it. And see, I'm not a farm girl. I, I, you know, I, I'm just not. You know, I'm, I'm a small town, city kind of girl. You know, I lean that direction. So when I was putting the sermon together, there's a guy across the hall from me, and he's one of our investigators. Um, and he is a farmer. Okay, so I'm on break, and I'm reading, and, and this was a while ago. And, and I said, hey, Troy, come talk to me. So he loves Jesus and, and all that. So he comes over to my office and we're sitting and talking. And he's their family, it's big time farmers in our area. And so knows a lot about the farming area. And so I just start asking him questions because I'm reading this and I feel, keep feeling the Holy Spirit draw me to this. And, and we're talking and he says, well, yeah. He goes, when we go out to purchase land, when we're going to go buy a farm, because you better believe we go check out the soil. He says, because we're not going to pay as much for the soil that's got a bunch of thorn bushes in it. Because we're going to have to work to get that pulled up and pulled out. He goes, nor are we going to pay a big chunk of change for a, a field that has a lot of rocks in it. And he goes, whether those are little rocks, because a bunch of little rocks could be just as much of a problem to get rid of as the big boulders. He said, because you got to get a wheelbarrow, you got to get a truck, you got to get, get out there and get this all piled up, and you got to take him to the side and, and dump it out. And he goes, and if there's the big boulders out there, you got to get a log chain. Sometimes those, those things are so big, and wrap it around, and you got to have yourself one big old truck or 
a tractor to pull that stuff out. Well, that costs, none of that costs effort to do that. And he said, so I'm, we're not going to pay as much for that land as we are if we walk out there and that land is cultivated and, and they've did what they needed to do and it's been fertilized and, and it's been taken care of. That land we will pay more money from because we will yield a harvest far quicker. Make sense? Even to a not farmer girl, I get that. Okay, so as we're looking at this scripture, what is resonating, and I feel like with the ladies last night, it was a build-up night. It was a night of no matter what you're going through, but God. It was a night of pack your tambourine. <laughs> you pack your tambourine when you're amidst uh, of the hard times, and you get that baby out when you get on the other side of the Red Sea, and you dance, and you take all the women with you. And you take the men with you. And see, your worship pastor right now is kind of squirming. Because he's like, don't you be bringing those things in here. <laughs> Amen. I was going to put a picture up. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen it. The, the number one evil of the church is the one who brings in the tambourine. <laughs> Especially if they don't have timing. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us all. <laughs> so see, I am not telling you to bring your tambourine next week. In fact, I'm telling you, don't. Unless you're just making a visual, because his mom is kind of kind of threatening over there, threatening to use my name in vain, brother. It's not me, but but that is the deal. Miriam was labeled as a prophetess once she crossed that Red Sea in the midst of all the wind and all the the fight that it took. She got on the other side and sang a song, and a song she wrote. The Lord gave her, and she danced with her tambourine. And we left the story there last night. That, that's where we stopped. And we went to the chocolate fountain. It was important. It was very important. Okay, so this morning, I'm going to kind of just pick up for a moment here about Miriam and Miriam's struggle bus. Because, see, we talked about how awesome and tenacious and audacious that Miriam was to go from seeing Moses put into the river, and she goes up to, to Pharaoh's daughter and says, I got somebody that can nurse your baby. That took a tenacious young woman to do that. We talked about her, her traveling through the, the uh, um, uh, desert and making it to the other side. We talked about all those kind of different things that she held strong, and she packed that tambourine. You know, so we talked about that. But I'm going to take you this morning just super quickly into Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. And we're going to hit that right at verse 1. And I'm just going to read a little few excerpts out of here. But it says here in chapter 12, it says, While they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses. Because he had been married to a Cushite woman, they said, The Lord has spoken, has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? Miriam was on the struggle bus. This mighty woman of God, this prophetess, was on the struggle bus. And we see a, a couple of struggle buses that Miriam was on here. She felt it was okay to criticize the man of God. You have to be arrogant to think it's okay to criticize the man of God. So arrogance had leaked into Miriam's life. Even she had, when she had watched God prove over and over and over again, yet she forgets. Which is why there's so this one big part of me that wanted to come in here and say, let's talk about the greatest show on earth. It's Jesus. What the Father brought about. Don't you forget it, girls. But don't forget it, men. Don't forget it, children. Don't, don't forget it. Because if we forget it, we'll start struggle-busting with arrogance and pride. Because he's a great big God. 
And he's a lot bigger than us and a lot wiser, obviously. But see, then you go to verse two and you see Miriam on her struggle bus. And she says, they said, has the Lord spoken only to Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? She's struggle bussing. But because she doesn't think they should be listening only to Moses, she had something to say. She had something to give. Whoa. Well, you better be in the place of God and you better be handling it right if you feel like the Lord has given you something. Because I'm going to tell you, she did not, she did not choose to handle. Even if it had been a legit concern, she should have gone to the man of God and they could have talked about it and they could have gone through. But no, she didn't. She just stood in accusation. And I'm going to tell you, let's keep reading here. Verse 4. So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, Go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. <laughs> that's a bad thing. That's when your mom calls you your first and last name or your middle name. When it goes Kimberly Sue, I'm like, oh, stink. What I do? And I'm almost 50 and I still say, oh, stink, if my mom says Kimberly Sue. That's kind of being called first and middle name. So the three of them went to the tabernacle, verse 5. Then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I have to say. And he spoke to them. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in vision. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. For all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Oh, can you imagine? I'm so visual that just gives me cold chill bumps all over me. Verse 9 says, The Lord was very angry with them, and he departed. As the cloud moved from the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. Wow. I'm really glad I live in the new covenant. Because <laughs> how many times have I made stupid decisions like that and would have been deserved to be embraced within the cloud and left standing with leprosy. Thank God we live under the dispensation of grace. <laughs> His grace is right. But you know, even if you keep reading there, and I, and I don't want to camp there too awfully long, but as we go down, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Okay, verse 13. And it says here, oh no, actually verse 10. We'll say, as the cloud moved about the away from the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow with leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, oh my sis master, please don't punish us for the sin we have foolishly committed. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby already decaying at birth. So Moses cried out to the Lord, oh God, I beg you, please heal her. Verse 14, but the Lord said to Moses, if, if her father had done nothing more than spit in her face, wouldn't she be defiled for seven days? So keep her outside the camp for seven days, and after that she may be accepted back. Verse 15, so Miriam was kept outside the camp for seven days, and the people waited until she was brought back before they traveled again. Then they left Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Wow. The grace was there. We see it. Seven days out. And she comes accepted back in. She comes back in. We're presuming healed. 
It comes back into the camp. And it says, you know, what the love that is shown there, I believe the people loved Miriam enough, even after that, all of that, they loved Miriam enough to wait. So they didn't move on without her. Just because she messed up, just because she made a foolish decision, as did Aaron. I don't know how you guys get by with this so often, but hey. <laughs> Adam, Eve, you know, because it's been a few times. Okay, anyway, just kidding. Totally just kidding. But here's the deal. We stand there, and they waited. But you know what? I And, and maybe I am wrong here, so I say that if, I, if I'm kind of grasping. I believe they were still following the fire and the cloud. Am I right at that time? Okay, so here is the deal. If I, and I'm thinking this on my feet, so I'm kind of going with it. Not only did the people wait for Miriam, they were following a cloud uh, by day and a fire by night. God waited on Miriam. He is so sweet. He is so kind. If you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, you just don't get what I've done or where I've been. What I'm going to say, God does get it, and God waits. <laughs> For us to have healing and to have redemption and to be brought back into the camp. He is awesome like that. But we have a responsibility. Had Miriam taken the opportunity to cultivate, that chapter could not be there. That was a choice. There was a choice. She could have cultivated. So this morning, what I'm going to bring to you, and I'm going to do this pretty quickly, I'm going, to, I'm going to wrap this thing around, is I'm going to bring to your attention, the word talks about the thorns in the ground. And if you look up and you study what the thorn kind of represents, it's, it's an irritation. Uh, it's, a, it's concern. Those kinds of things. And I'm going to ask you this morning, if sitting here, do you not have irritations in your life? And don't put a face with that. <laughs> Beth, not mine at least, please. Do you not have cares and concerns? And some of those straight up legit cares and concerns. Well, see, what the enemy wants you to do is to get, let those grow, let those root in your good ground because it's all good but if you let those thorns bushes those thorns come and root in there the, the the plan for that is that those thorn bushes grow up and literally strangle the life out of you that is the enemy who comes to steal kill and destroy but see we gotta man up and woman up and say you know what i'm gonna get into this field and i'm gonna get dirty i'm gonna get dirty when it says cast my cares upon the lord when, when we, we give things, there are things that though they even may be legit, we cannot use that as an excuse to hold on to them. We've got to continually give them to the Lord and say, God, I, I can't let this get rooted. Because I tell you what, a thorn bush, if you're a gardener at all, even if a flower gardener, you can't just cut off a thorn bush at the ground. That's what I like to do with my gloves on. Just grab that puppy, slice it off at the ground, throw it, and then I look good for a moment. But see, that baby will grow right back up. It'll grow right back. So what you got to do, you got to get yourself a little shovel. And you got to dig down in there. You got to pull that up from the root. And then, then is when it loses its power over your ground. So this morning, I'm here to, to, to challenge the, the man and the woman of God. I'm here, I'm here to fan your flame. If there are cares and legit ones, if you tend to be someone that, that holds on to drama, or creates drama, stop it. Seriously, shut your mouth. 
man or woman. Because see, what you're doing, when you create drama or when you talk about people or when you gossip or when you do those kinds of things, see, we want to go to these sins that we label so big. Gossip is a sin, church. Divisiveness is a sin. Miriam felt that. Shut it. Put it into the hands of God, saying, God, change my nature. If that is, is a personality kind of thing there, or if it's a chosen, but if there are cares that are coming up, I'm going to challenge you this morning to lay them at the feet of Jesus, the legit ones. And you keep laying them there so that they do not have the, fa- the power to choke the life out of you. Second, I'm going to talk about the rock. Okay, and it talks about the rocky soil. See, this morning I put my boots on because I had to go down and get one of those um, carts in order to, to push out my stuff, you know, to take it out to my truck. And so I get my, my shoes on and I've got this little rock in my boot. And I don't notice it until I'm halfway down, my door shut and I'm halfway down the hallway to go get my little cart thing. It annoyed the bejeebers out of me all the way to get my cart, all the way to bring it back up. It was the tiniest little rock. But see, the real bummer was that rock wasn't just in my boot. Somehow that rock had got into my nylons. Don't you hate when that happens, Pastor Brad? (laughs) I hate when it happens. But here's the deal. It was so annoying that I took the time to take care of business. I got rid of the rock. And that took me extra time. And it was a tiny little thing. You know, so, so sometimes we come into service and we think, oh, it's just something small. It's not a big deal. But if it's getting your attention, if it's distracting you, there's a rock in your life, so small even, all the way up to the boulder. And when Troy said, you got to get a a log chain, you got to wrap it around that puppy, and you got to get your truck out there, your four-wheeler, you got to get your tractor, and you got to pull that out and to the side. And it can be anything from that small to the boulder. And what are boulders? Boulders are those things that are soul wounds. There's some people in here, you've got some soul wounds that are heavy. They are deep. It can come from betrayal. It can come from abuse. It can come from a million different things. My own life included, but also the work that I do. Like many of you know, I'm a victim advocate for the Johnson County Prosecutor's Office. And I see the ramifications of wounding. And they can be long-term when we're talking things like, like the betrayal of uh, um, theft, of breaking into your home, burglary, those kind of things where your, your, your safety has been broken into, to murder, when someone in your, your family has been murdered or that kind of thing, to molest or rape. You're talking huge boulders that you did not put there, someone tossed in. See, sometimes I put my own boulders there and then had to take responsibility and get my log chain out and go get them out. There have been times that other people have thrown rocks or boulders into my ground. I still can't just put up with it and just say that that's their fault. I'm bitter. I'm I'm upset. I'm, I'm those kind of things. I'm powerless. I beg to differ with you. You are not powerless to the schemes of the enemy to come steal, kill, and destroy. Quite the opposite. I'm telling you what, my blood pressure is rising. Because that light of the enemy will tick me off. 
regardless of what has been tossed in to your life. You serve a God, and you are under a new dispensation of the Holy Spirit that says, I'm going to come up alongside you, and you don't even have to get your own log chain and truck. What I'm going to do, baby, is if you come up and you take a hold of that rock, Father God, the Holy Spirit is going to come up and embrace around you, and with him, you can chuck that thing. The fact will remain, because see, I'm still divorced, chucking it or not. It'll still make me mad if I think about it long enough. It'll still hurt. You know, I still got stuff. That's not the only thing, but the stuff. But see, here's the deal. Don't you dare be a victim to those kind of things. Instead, you walk in the power that God has given you, and you walk in the freedom, and you start saying, I, by doggies, I am going to cultivate my good ground because I want to harvest. How many in this house wants a harvest? I want a harvest. So stand with me this morning. We're going to bring this thing to a wrap quick. And I know I've kind of blasted in, especially the guys, if I haven't known you last year, even the, you know, this year kind of thing. But here's the deal. We're in the presence of an almighty God who is crazy about you. He's crazy about you. I think we forget that sometimes. He is crazy about you. Crazy about you enough to give his only son legit, for real. And he doesn't want you living strangled by the thorn bushes of life. He doesn't want that. That is not the plan that he has for you. He has a plan for you to have life. He has a plan for you to prosper and to have a future and to have a hope. And that hope comes through him. So I feel like I'm here this morning to say, I don't care what's in your ground. The ground is good. Cultivate it. Because see, I don't want to just settle for a 30-fold. I don't even want to just settle for a 60-fold. I want a 100-fold. I want a 100-fold. I want to give the Holy Spirit, I want to give the Father every opportunity to bring forth a harvest, not only to feed me, but to feed all of those around me. Not only to, to dance with my tambourine for my sake, but to take every man and woman in the, in the house of God and say, let's shake our tambourine and celebrate our victory. Wow. Because you were created for such a time as this, and you were created to be all that God has. He defines you. So this morning, and I'm going to lay it out here, and we're going to go there, but I'm going to say, if you're here and you're like, Kim, yeah, I get it. I am so with you. Dude, I got the thorns. <laughs> I got the thorn bushes. That's, that's, that's life. And if you're here this morning, you're like, Kim, I got that. I, I, I'm here. Then I'm going to ask you just to come quickly right over here. I'm not going to delay. But just come on over here if you just want prayer in that sense. And we're going to do a big prayer all together. And if you're here and you're like, I got rocks. I got some heavies. I got some little ones that are just, he is just knifing me. I'm walking and like, ooh, you, know, you get that, that kind of thing. Or maybe you've got the big ones, and that's you're in the house of God with your family. So within that, if you've got the big ones, rely on these people. He put us together for a reason. He made us a family. You rely on God first and foremost, but that's why we're here. Don't live in the crazy isolation that the enemy tries. Break out of that. Bust it wide open. Okay, so we can come to the altar and say, God, I want to start this process. And we start the process, and he empowers us.
Okay, so we're going to open these altars, and literally we're going to come, we're going to pray, and I'm going to give it back to Pastor Brad. But I'm going to ask you in this house, if you want God to strengthen you, to cultivate your ground, I'm going to ask you to move from your seats and come up around in this area. And could we do good, good father? Would that be possible? See, he's good. He's a good, good father. And he has got a harvest for you this morning. And he's got a plan and he's got a purpose. But what you got to do, you got to embrace it. You got to take it by the hand. Say, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I don't know the journey, but I'm packing my tambourine on this side of it. And we will get to the other side of the Red Sea. We will get there because he's got your back. He's got your back. So this morning, let's all join in together. And can we sing Good, Good Father? We're just going to sing that, and, and Pastor Brad's going to come up, but I want to pray over you. I want to pray over you. And we're going to believe God to strengthen you according to Ephesians chapter 3 prayer. We're going to believe God to strengthen you mightily in your inner person by God's unlimited resources through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, because all that is is teaming up with Him. You don't even have to be strong because it's His unlimited resources that come up behind us and empower us. And then those boulders aren't so heavy. Those thorns aren't quite so paralyzing because He's awesome. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we come as a family of Faith Chapel. And God, this is good ground. This is good ground. There is resignating revival in this place. Father, these that have came forward, Lord, you know the situations and you so you know where they are. And God, I pray even right now as we stand here, start a new work. Start a new work. Bring a fresh wind of refreshing that says we got this. Together we're teaming up. God and you teaming up. Holy Spirit, to see mighty things come as we cultivate our good soil. We make ourselves available this morning. God is a body. Use us. Bring a harvest out of us for your glory and for your honor. It's a miracle when we shine. And Father, we're trusting you for those big things because you are indeed the greatest show on earth. And it's not a, a story, it's a reality. And we give you honor.